reading uh, from Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out for that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For those are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the words of the f- works of the flesh are evident in sexual immorality, impurity, um, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like that. I, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Spirit of the The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Check, check. 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 MasterCard, Visa, check. Okay, let's try this again. Let me try that. Check, check, check. There you go. I put my water down there just so you can know that I can still reach the floor. Okay. Good morning. That was pretty good. We'll turn down the volume just a little bit. Good morning. Ah, that's better. Well, let's see. So what do I know? I know that I know a lot of you. I know that I know Joe Thomas over here. We used to play ping pong together. Good to see you at UT Martin. Also at UT Martin, there were some people by the name, well, Regina Thomas was there at the time. Ricky and, Re- and Regina. I don't know where she got him from, but it seems like it's going to last. Love those people very, very much. Do you know that at a retreat one time at UT Martin when I was campus minister there that Regina was an Elvis impersonator? Ask her about that sometime when she comes. Um, and uh, Louie and Sue, Mama Sue, it's so good to see you today. Um, also, we're praying for you and for Linda uh, as she goes through the struggles that she has. Jackie's good to see you. Uh, where are you, Jackie? I saw you. Saw, there you are right back there. And... Uh, uh, Lowell and Andrea Pugh are very special to us, so we just have connections everywhere. Uh, Barry, I was glad that uh, you were in school. You were very good at the time that you were there, and I'm glad that you were here. So glad that you are here, and I guess I can say that too also for you, Dustin. I'm glad that you're here too, brother. Uh, and uh, this, this is a good church. We, we go back a long ways, and we're glad to be here. So, um, well, I can't start without a song. <clears throat> You are beautiful beyond description, too marvelous for words, too wonderful for comprehension, like nothing ever seen or heard. Who can grasp your infinite wisdom? Who can fathom the depths of your love? You are beautiful beyond description. 
majesty enthroned above. And I stand, I stand in awe of you. I stand, I stand in awe of you. Holy God, to whom all praise is due. I stand in awe of you. Be seated, please. Emily, it's good to see you over there as well. Uh, people everywhere. I, I guess I better stop. I'm already going to offend somebody. Okay, so the treasurer said to me, <clears throat> i got three checks for you, depending on how long you preach. Okay, here's what I'm thinking. After services tonight, somebody's going to have to set up a GoFundMe for Brother Ralph because I ain't going to get paid much today <laughs> because I ain't going to preach short. That's not, my, that's not my nature. Matter of fact, we're glad that there's food here, you know. So let's see. What else do I want to do today? Okay. Turn to Galatians chapter 5. I want you to notice some stuff about the Holy Spirit. Um, I thought I would do it, and so I did. I'm, I'm coming back up here for the Facebook person, but I did forget this. <clears throat> Let's see. On. There you go. Make sure that's the right spot. <clears throat> All right, that is on this time. Okay. Hello. Oh, there you go. Lesson two, spiritual renewal is where we are right now. I did that on purpose. Now, the Greek word for spiritual is pneumatikos. And the word spirit is right there in the front of it, pneuma. Uh, Hagios pneuma is the Holy Spirit. And uh, it is the word in Greek for uh, breath, wind, or spirit. And therefore, when you think of the Holy Spirit, uh, he's the one who's set apart. He is a he, he's not a it. He is part of the Godhead. He is uh, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Therefore, they all three are part of the same thing. Remember, us and Sapphira lied before the Holy Spirit, and also the passage says they lied to God. So that tells you that the Holy Spirit was God. So as we talk about the Holy Spirit today, he's kind of like the forgotten member of the Godhead. We talked about the members of the uh, measures of the Spirit early, and that is we talked about the, the fact that Jesus had the Holy Spirit without measure, John three thirty four. The apostles had the Holy Spirit measure that was given to them so that they could write the Bible, be inspired and all that stuff. And then everybody who is a Christian gets the koinonia gift, although I didn't call it that, but I'm going to now. The koinonia gift is the word for fellowship. And everybody who is a Christian, a brother and sister in Christ, gets the fellowship gift. You get that one. Now, it's not the, as flashy as the ones in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but it's pretty outstanding as we're going to talk about today. You cannot get spiritual without spirit. It's kind of like a person who comes to Fried Hardeman, you know, and they sign up for classes, and, and they say, by the way, Barry, understood that you were going to be an architect at one time. I was a math major my first year at Fried Hardeman, and so um, I like math, and I've always liked math, and that's just the way it is, and some people don't, and, and I'll pray for you. But I'm just thinking that I, I like math. i got a daughter who teaches math, and, and math is, is a good thing, I think. And so you get some people who come to Fried Hardeman and say, hey, I want to be, be an architect, but I hate math. Oh, yeah, that's going to work out well for you. Okay, you know, oh, oh, I want to be a doctor, but, you know, I, I hate chemistry. Oh, okay, yeah, I don't want to come to you. I'm kind of thinking, now, if you're going to be spiritual, you got to talk about the Spirit. You cannot avoid it if you want to be spiritual. So if you notice in the text that was read for you, you will see four, yea, five phrases. All right, verse 15, verse 16, but I say to you, walk by the Spirit. Now you're walking by the Spirit. All right, and then there is in verse 18, you are led by the Spirit. 
And then in verses 22 and 23, you have the fruit of the Spirit. And then in verse 25, you live by the Spirit. And then there's an extra one for you in chapter 6 and verse 1. You who are spiritual, which means those of you who understand this spiritual thing, those of you who are spiritual, you be responsible for restoring someone in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. Haven't you seen it work out this way? It doesn't always work out. It'll all be in the Bible, but it's not. What goes around comes around. It's kind of there, but it's not exactly there in the Bible. But it's often the case that if somebody starts looking all judgmentally towards somebody else, well, if you wait long enough in their lives, you might see that they're in a situation where they need that same kindness bestowed to them, but it's hard to give it to them because they've been so judgmental in the past. Alright, so there you are. If you are spiritual, it is your job. Why? Well, I ain't going to talk to the people that are not spiritual about doing this. I've lost a lot of body parts in my lifetime. You know, I've lost a gallbladder and a prostate. and I've lost a kidney. I've lost pr- probably some of my brain cells. I've lost a lot of things. Matter of fact, every day as you get older, it's kind of like taking inventory of your body parts and see what's not working next. You know, because <laughs> it's like you know you something is not working as well as it used to. So I've lost a lot of stuff. So whenever you think about this idea of of the Holy Spirit, you know you're going to need Him the older that you get. The older that you get, the more you're going to need to walk by faith and not by sight. The more you're going to need to look above rather than looking at the things of this earth. Colossians chapter 3 and 1. The more you're going to need thinking about the permanent things instead of the temporary things in 2 Corinthians 4, 14 through 16. The more you're going to need that. And so as we talk about that this morning, here's what I want to say about, uh, about the Holy Spirit and your life. Um, okay, so in Ephesians, there's the whole book is about, uh, about spiritual renewal. And as we look at this, be filled with the Spirit. Now what we get from Ephesians 5 usually is acapella singing. And that's sad because singing is only one of five gerunds there. I had a really good English teacher. I know what a gerund is. It's an I-N-G word. Okay, there are five I-N-G words there actually in Greek. And they're present active participles. And they are there indicating that, okay, here are five things that I want you to know if you are filled with the Spirit. By the way, if you are filled with the Spirit, here's what you do. Speaking, there's one. To one another in psalms and spiritual songs. Singing, there's another one. Making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks, there's another one. In the name of Jesus Christ, even the Father. Being subject to one another in the fear of Christ as you are filling yourself with the Spirit. And so here are the, is the idea of this is what you keep on doing, you keep on doing, you keep on doing it. And you don't stop doing it. Now I know that the Savannah Church has had a rich history and you're wonderful people. But like every congregation, you go through times where you really need to know about this idea of being filled with the Spirit and what it means because I have had to receive this so much. When I was sick, getting back to the story, I'm older, I'll eventually get back to the point. All right, my wife would say, I've also had a heart attack, and that was fun. Okay, but that was in 2001, and so when we think about the stuff that's happened to me, in times like this in my life, my wife would often... Uh, go to Campbell Street people, Michael. By the way, good singing. I was so surprised. You know. Okay, and so you did well today. Uh, good singing. Keep it up. I right, said, so as we think about this sort of thing, she would go to people in Campbell Street and she would say, hey, by the way, you know, will you pray for my husband? Hey, and if she came to you, it was really an honor. I don't know if people knew that or not, but she only asked people that she thought really believed in prayer. 
And if you were a member at Campbell Street, and if somebody were to say to you, I really want you to pray for me because I believe you are a spiritual person, that is what you're going for. Not because you are looking for the, 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 the desire to, to be to be lifted up yourself, not because you're arrogant, but because somebody believes you really are spiritual. Now I'm going to ask you the question. If you had to go to the top three spiritual people right now in your life, where would you go? Who would you go to? And why would you think they are spiritual? And if you find those people that you think that are spiritual, I guarantee you it's somebody who doesn't just go to church. It's somebody who doesn't just fill a pew. It's somebody that believes this stuff. I mean, they believe it. Like you're seeing somebody near the point of death and you are expecting them to be all sad and, and they're saying, look, I want to live more, but if I don't live more, to God be the glory. And you're thinking, how did you get there? That is so difficult to get to a spot like that. But those are the people that you're looking for and I hope these are the kind of people that you want to be. That's how the Savannah Church will grow. It's not by magic programs. It's by more and more people becoming more and more spiritual. It means that you pray more. It means that you do spiritual things. It means you talk about spiritual things. I'm glad for Evangelism University and all the good that you do for the Red Cross that you're allowing them to use your building and for the stacks of things. The Savannah Church is a good church. But also know that sometimes you kind of go through the valleys and the hills of church growth. And Barry's telling me that he believes things are, are, are on the way up here. And I believe that that is the case. And I want it to continue to be the case. But every church goes through its ups and downs. Well, I was at Campbell Street for 24 years. We were both a recipient of people coming to us from other churches because they were unhappy. And sometimes we were the giver. In other words, people were leaving us going to somewhere else. Let me tell you what I learned about this. One way or the other, you keep on keeping on doing what you need to do. That's what you do. And you don't worry about that because sometimes the people who leave you might be better off where they are and you might be better off as well. And so what you need to think about doing is making sure that you become more and more spiritual and focus on what it is that brought you here. I'm sorry that Tennessee lost the last ball game. And I don't know that you could blame a lot of things on refs. But at some point, if the other team is shooting more three-pointers than you are, odds are pretty good that you might lose. And so does it really come down, and I am a Tennessee fan. My wife is a bigger Tennessee fan than I am. You want to know how to play better basketball? You pay attention to the fundamentals. You want to know how to play better football? Pay attention to the fundamentals. And yes, I'm about to say something that I never thought I'd say growing up. If you play soccer, you know, I never thought soccer was not a real sport when I was growing up. But if you play soccer, pay attention to the fundamentals. And in the church, you do the same thing. Grow up. Grow up. In all aspects, Paul says. He 
also says, even the head Jesus Christ from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by whatever joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part. Each of you is a part. There's a place for everybody and everybody in the church has a place. Say that with me. One, two, three. There's a place for everybody and everybody has a place. Boy, that was pretty sorry. Let me try that again. One, two, three. There's a place for everybody and everybody has a place. The better you understand that, the better you will grow. You ever been to a place of business and you're sitting at the table growing vegetables waiting for somebody to come to get your order? And are you going back there anymore? Well, odds are pretty good that you want. Unless it's the only restaurant in town. Okay, and then you say, I don't want to go back there because they don't care whether I'm here or not. When we came to Savannah this morning, <clears throat> we had three or four or five people in, uh, giving us a bulletin and greeting us and all of that. That is very positive. <clears throat> so, excuse me, I'm about to blow a, a gasket here. So here we are going down the street in Ephesus. Uh, this is a picture from the last time we were there. The tour bus is gracious to you because the streets are like San Francisco. And you go down the street. You pass a lot of places that are pagan temples. <clears throat> you pass, you pass uh, the temple of uh, Nike. Just do it. You pass uh, Celsius' library. You pass all kinds of other things that are there. <clears throat> Joyce, give me, give me that water, please. I reached the floor once today, but I don't think I can do it twice. <laughs> Excuse me. And you have a song ready, Michael, in case I ask you to lead a song in, in the middle, okay? Yeah. Uh, that'll be more ready than you ever were in class. Ha <coughs> <coughs> uh, just kidding. All right, so life in the Spirit. Here we go. Part 1, Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 is learning the life in the Spirit. And 4, 5, and 6 is living the life in the Spirit. So now we're going to talk about this with regard to a very personal thing. And that's to do with your prayer life and whether or not you believe in providence. Do you believe in providence? Providence comes from providing, as in God providing. Providence. Do you believe in it? <clears throat> Here are the possible ways that one could pray. Four views of prayer. Number one... <clears throat> The miraculous view. Number two, the deistic view. Number three, the providential view. And number four, there's an alternate view that I'd like to talk to you about because I usually am a little different. Okay, let's talk about the miraculous view. The miraculous view, for many reasons, I don't believe is still around. Because that would be where you pray to the mountain move and the mountain literally will move. You want to walk on water, you walk on water. You want to turn water to wine, you turn water to wine. You want to heal the epileptics and those with various other diseases in Matthew chapter 4 at the end of that passage, then you do that. I don't believe that I have that. I don't believe that I've seen anybody have it. Although, I'm not saying that God can't do what God wants to do. But I'm talking about through the laying on of man's hands. As in 1 Corinthians 12, those came to an ending. 
as in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 10 and Ephesians 4 verses 15 and 16. The church grew up and when the church grew up we got this instead. I actually would rather have this instead. Because there's a lot of people that can fool a lot of people saying that they can do a miracle but this right here remains and abides forever. The, at this time of year, we were in Texas last week, and they love their flowers called blue bonnets. They say they grow only in Texas. They're scrawny little flowers, but the Texans love them. Anyway, the ones we saw, they are beautiful, by the way, but they, they bloom in the month of March, and by the first week of April, they are generally gone. The grass withers, and the flower falls off. But the Word of God abides forever. And so as we talk about this, how do you pray? Well, I don't pray that God's going to do anything against His will or that He's going to perform miracles. And I'll explain that a little more in a minute. Because of Ephesians 4, 11 through 15. And if you want a copy of this, please save this to the church computer on the hard drive. If anybody wants a copy, well then you may have it to study for later. And then there's the deistic view. Now the deists believe that God made the world and he wound it up, but he never, ever will interfere with the world anymore. So if you pray to God, the prayer is good only for you. Meaning that it might give you more spiritual strength, it might help you to do whatever you think that you need to do, but really God is not going to change because God is perfect and holy and He will not change. Malachi 3 and verse 6. Therefore, when you pray to God, you might as well be a deist because He's not going to change what He said. Therefore, if He's determined that somebody is going to die, you might as well not pray that they're going to live. They're going to die. Or if somebody's going to live and you pray for them to die, forbid the thought. But if you do that, it's still going to be whatever God has already determined as the perfect God. Well, now that's a bummer for prayer, isn't it? Why? Well, because this ain't what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Ask, seek, and knock. Y'all know how to sing that song? Ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. Singing Alleluia. Alleluia. Ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you, singing Alleluia, Alleluia. Alright, Thomas Jefferson notwithstanding, Benjamin Franklin, the, the, the kite dude notwithstanding, I ain't there. That's not me. Not this view. Well, then a lot of people say, well, if it's not deism, maybe it's the traditional view that you often hear in the churches of Christ. And that is, God, I want you to work through natural laws to do whatever it is that you choose to do to help in this circumstance that I'm bringing before you right now. 
Will you please do that? I'm sure you've heard that view. That he's going to work through and only through natural laws. Now, if he's going to work through natural laws, here's the problem. How can you tell the difference between him working through natural laws and he's not working through natural laws because they look the same? You know, Newton, the gravity stuff? They look the same. And if they look the same, how do you know that God has actually done anything to answer your prayer because the same thing that would have happened did happen because God is working through natural laws. In which case, why did you pray this? This is said in a lot of churches of Christ. Why? I was brought up in the church of Christ. Matter of fact, I think I was, I think my first bath was in the baptistry of the church. You remember when meetings were like six years long? You remember when a funeral could last into the night? Do you remember those days and what it was like? I was in church a lot. I think I slept in the pew also. I know I did that. So as we think about this, I was brought up in the churches of Christ. I'm not going to leave. And I love the church with all my heart. But here's what we often pray. Number one, God, guard, and direct us. What would we do without that? How in the world could you close a prayer without God, guard, and direct us? Whatever that means. All right, God, guard, and direct us. Once you notice you've used two imperative verbs here. In other words, it's like saying, Barry, God, guard, and direct us. Guide, what does that mean? Guard, what does that mean? Direct us, what does that mean? We've used three verbs asking God to intervene in our lives. That's the difference in somebody who believes in prayer and a person who just thinks, well, I'm not doing this for anybody's good except apparently mine because God cannot be changed. Because you're asking God to do these things. Number two, you're asking God to be with them. Now, you cannot get in trouble if you say be with them. You can't be, get in trouble if you use the H word, and the H word is heal. Now, if you say heal this person in the hospital, that'll get you in trouble in some places, but be with the is okay in virtually every fellowship of the, every place in the church of Christ. Why? Well, be with the doctors and the nurses and the nurse practitioners and be with all the RNs and the LPNs and be with the people at the concession stand and the people at the desk. Just be with them all. Why? Because I want this family member of mine to live. But still, if you use that, you're asking God to come here. Now, I did the open forum 18 years by myself, and now I've done three years with other people on the stage of the Freed Hartman Lectureship. And when I was doing it by myself, one time after the open forum was over, that's when people gather on the stage. Some of them tell you you are the wisest person alive, and other people will tell you that you're dumb as a paper sack. You know, because they're going to say to you, you were definitely wrong about that. And they come up on the stage to do this. Well, I'm talking to others on the stage. And when Lily Kate Lewis, who is now 14 years old, when she was about three or four years old, her mother let her up on the stage. I don't know why she did this. But she let her up on the stage. And she came up to me. And my name is Pop Pop. We have eight grandchildren. We have four children. We don't want more. We have eight grandchildren. And we want more. All right? And so here's the deal. All right? So pull down on my pants saying, Pop Pop. Okay? Well, Lily Kate, what do you want? Pop Pop, I want to hold you. Right now, Lily Kate, I'm talking with other people. Okay, so she pulls my pants a little harder, 
And by the third time I had said that to her just to wait, she was pulling on him hard enough, I was afraid that something embarrassing could happen. And so what I said was, okay, I picked her up. But then I continued talking to the people on the stage. And she got her little hands like this, and she turned my face toward her. And she said, Papa, I want to talk to you. Oh, I get it. You want to talk to me, do you? So that's it. When you pray, that's what you're asking of God. I want you to turn your face and look at me. Why? I'm going through a lot of rot. There's a lot of stuff out there. Just in January, Joyce, who has had problems with cancer, had a PET scan where they said there was two places in her lungs that were consistent with metastatic cancer. And of course, everybody, you know, starts doing that. Turns out that the next PET scan that she had, they were gone. I'm not saying that it was a miracle. It could have been an infection. But nonetheless, it was an answer to our prayers. Not saying that it was a miracle, but I'm saying that they were not there anymore, Joe. And I'm saying, thank you, Lord. Now, what are you saying to God? I want you to look here. I'm asking you, as your son or daughter, I'm asking you this question. And I need for you to help. We've had a rough semester at Fried Hardman with the death of Stan Mitchell. His uh, office is two doors down from me. And, of course, those of us on that floor, we don't get to forget that he's no longer with us because there's his office right there. And they're still trying to remove things from his office and, and take them to other people who can use them, etc. But it's rough. The guys on the first floor don't have to do this. The guys on the second floor, we, we pass by his office every day and think about what it was like when he was alive. Some Fred Hardman kids have been wondering, and Fred Hardman faculty have been wondering, why didn't God listen to our prayers? Why didn't he allow Stan to live? He was much beloved by Fred Hardman students. Besides that, he had a massive supply of Giardelli chocolate that he would give only to the students. He's much loved. God, why didn't you listen to our prayer? You know, you don't think about the possibilities of that. God could say, yeah, I'm going to give you what you want. God could say, no, I'm not going to give you what you want. God could say, you're not ready yet. God could say, wait for a while. God could say, I see the bigger picture that you don't see, and right now the answer is no. And sometimes God could say, I'm going to give you something better. I'm going to give you something better. So as Doug Burleson pasted on Facebook, the worst day of our lives was the best day in Stan's life. And that would be the day that he died and he went to heaven. For the rest of us, we have to try to deal with that. Are you saying God did not answer our prayers? No, not at all. It's sometimes just not the answer that you're expecting or the answer that you want. But you still must believe and trust as his son and daughter that he will listen. And sometimes he will bend his will, if it's not contrary to his ultimate will, he will bend his will and say, yeah, Hezekiah, I'll give you 15 more years. 
Elijah, you want it to rain? It'll rain. Now I know that those would be miraculous. But sometimes you can just say to people, God, I need my spouse here longer. And then she's here. Not all the time. But sometimes. And it's believing in prayer. And so what I'm thinking is different is, do you just say, we pray that the preacher will have a ready recollection? Why? Well, you've heard our preacher, but no, I'm sorry. <laughs> just kidding, Perry. <laughs> and he needs a ready recollection. Okay? And then bless us as we worship you. You, even in your most conservative mindset, are asking God to get involved. And here is a spiritual test for you. Pray one prayer to God without asking him to give you anything. Praise him for what he has done. Thank him for what he has done. And don't ask him for anything, which would be called a non-intercessory prayer. Don't ask him. Just thank him and praise him. It's harder to do than you think. And so here's Ralph's maybe small contribution to this. I happen to believe that miracles are in the public world. When Jesus turned water to wine, it really was water and it became real wine. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, Jesus, Lazarus really was dead. And then when he raised him from the dead, any forensic anthropologist or medical doctor would say, yep, he really was dead. And yep, now he really is alive. It's in the world of empirical senses. What you can see, taste, touch, feel, or smell. If there's any little bit that, is, that, is, that I want you to focus on right now, it's this one. When you, think, when you ask God about something, and when he answers you, he sometimes will answer you in a way that is not visible to the naked eye. In other words, do I believe God answered my prayer about Joyce? Yeah. She didn't want to marry a preacher and I didn't want to be one. So there. You said, well, that worked out well for you. No, actually I do like trying to preach. But the point is, that's not where I thought God wanted me to go. I thought he wanted me in the Air Force. Because I wanted to be a pilot. And so sometimes God will take what you're asking for like the Apostle Paul, who is, you know, he is the epitome of Jewish preparation. And he knows the Jewish mind so well. Then all of a sudden, God comes to Paul and says, I want you to be an apostle to the Gentiles. In Acts 26. Well, what sense does that make? About as much sense as an architect becoming a Bible major. Or a math major becoming a Bible major. Or somebody who's not a Christian this morning becoming a Christian. Because maybe God had something to do with you being here today. Maybe He wanted you to hear this. Maybe you've been struggling. And you don't know what to do to help your spirituality. You don't know what to do next. And so maybe God is talking to you today. Not directly as in inspiration but indirectly as in you need to hear this how's your prayer life how's your bible study life how well is your relationship with your spouse what's going on in the workplace whatever it is that's on your mind does God need for you to hear this 
He needs for all of us to hear this because we all need to be more spiritual and none of us has arrived at the spot where we need to be. And so, the two cases, only one of which I will study now, the next will be this afternoon. Alright, that is, you know, the, the favorite story of my daughters that my wife would read to them is Esther. Of course, what girls don't love Esther? Uh, it's cool, isn't it? Here's this Jewish girl who wins a Babylonian beauty contest. Oh yeah, that happens all the time. A Jewish girl winning a Babylonian beauty contest. And so now, she can represent the Jews before the king. When the king makes a decision about something, it cannot be changed because he's a Babylonian king. And, and whatever he says is going to happen and he can't change it once he's ruled on it. And so Mordecai cannot go on, on the grounds of the palace in chapter 4 of Esther. And so he has to go talk to Esther through the fence as it were. We don't know exactly what the scenario was. But Mordecai can't go inside. But Esther comes to the fence. So somehow or another they're talking to each other. And here's what he says to her. Esther, have you thought about the odds of you being where you are at this time in this place in history? Have you thought about that? Have you thought about why you're here now at this point and at this time in history? Have you thought about that? Well, there's a lot of people that can save the Jews as his adopted father. There's a lot of people that can save the Jews. God, you can save the Jews. Mordecai says to her, look, one way or the other, the Jews are going to be saved. It just has to do with whether or not you want to be a part of it. Have you ever thought about the fact that God puts you in this time, in this place, in this circumstance, for such a time as right now? I mean right now, as in March the 31st, 2019. Have you thought about the odds of you being here. Recently in chapel, I talked about one of our Bible majors who's Iranian. Sorry, he's from Baghdad. He's a Bible major at Fried Hardeman. Now, what circumstances could have allowed that to happen? 99% of the people in Iran are Muslim. His mother had just a little bit of Christian training and then they applied for a visa program in Iran that allowed them to come to the United States. They came to the United States. The house where they were living was right next to the Bellevue Church of Christ in Nashville. They, they had an English-speaking program there in which they enrolled and they learned the gospel. And his mother became a Christian and Danny is a graduating Bible major. So I wanted us all to think recently about that. What would be the odds of that happening? How in the world did you get where you are? Except that there were some very strong reason to believe that God was involved in you being a Christian. The Spirit is helping you to have access. He will not make your decisions for you. But He will bring you to places, perhaps, where you have to choose. Like this morning. So what's going on in your life? Is it tough? 
Are there burdens that you have to bear? Are there chronic situations that you have to deal with? If somebody were to say to you right now, where's your spiritual life on a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being the lowest, and 10 being I am really close to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, where would you be? And then let me ask one more question. Where were you on the day that you were baptized? Faith, repentance, confession, and salvation, and, and baptizing into Jesus Christ, baptism for remission of sins will put you into Christ. But I want to ask you one more time before the invitation. Is there some reason why you need to respond today to be a better person, to be a stronger person, because of sins that you have committed, or because today is the day that you finally decided that you're going to come to Jesus because certainly he's given most of us many opportunities. Where are you? Always stand and sing. Sea below.